I suppose about the last four or five years, I've been working more with young people and with children, with families. A real desire in my heart is to see families brought together and uh, going on with God. It came really, let me just explain where it came from. I was actually in a, in a Christian rock band touring in Holland. And when we were over there, we were actually in a girls' school. And while we were actually playing there, these great 11, 12-year-old kids there, joining in with all the songs. And afterwards, we, in, in the evening, it was a, we were doing a tour of the clubs over there. And uh, in the evening, we were in a, a real terrible club, which, um, of course, drugs being legal there, it was quite hard work trying to present the Christian message in that way, or in that scene. In fact, we had to keep poking our heads out the door to stay, keep ourselves, I think, a bit sane. But anyway, what happened was, I think the thing that broke my heart was I looked down, and these same little kids, these girls that we'd been singing to, just a few hours earlier in this school, were in fact now being used as child prostitutes, and their pimps were there. And I suddenly thought, Lord, what's going on? This is Holland, I know, where maybe it's a little bit more permissive, and they can get away with more over here. But then only to discover, in reality, of course, this does happen in Britain. And the more you read your papers, the more you read about child abuse, you see what our children are going through, you see how people want to lower the age uh, of, of immorality with children and so on, we can see the state that our country is getting to. Then came the next thought, well, that's fine, uh, this is where it's at, but what are we as a church actually offering our children? To me, it seems, forgive me, I'm going to say one or two things that might be slightly controversial, but there will be a question time afterwards. And if I said everything that you agreed with, there's not a lot of point in me coming, is there really? So I might say one or two things that hopefully will stir you up a bit. But I'll tell you, to, in, in my honest opinion, as I've travelled around the country over the last four or five years, working with families and with children, I see that the, the work, the, the, the spirit, the move of the Spirit of God over our country has touched every area of life except for our children's work. They're still way back. And if you look at the children's work, they're doing the same things that you were doing if you've come through the church system when you were a kid. They're getting the, probably singing the same choruses that you were actually singing when you were a child. They're having the same little activities, and at Christmas you're making the same little models out of shoeboxes as you were when you were a kid. It's like crazy, isn't it? Same old plasticine, same old things. And it was like the Spirit of God touched every area of church life, but somehow missed our children. And I don't believe that's true at all. I believe we just missed out on what the Spirit of God was saying. Because the Spirit of God, in, in the, the, the new move of the Spirit of God across our land, obviously he had things that he wanted do and do in our children's lives. There had to become a time when the church was important to a child. A church was somewhere the child wanted to be, wasn't just dumped off in or dragged along to. There had to be something that was quite special about it, as with adults. But with children, you know, you, you were sort of, uh, I guess some of you again were forced to go in when you were younger. Uh, even though mum and dad may not have gone, you thought it was a good thing that you went to Sunday school and you learned, uh, probably to give mum and dad a break at home. But nowadays it seems that mum and dad thoroughly enjoy church life, but so often the children don't seem to. Now, I don't know if I actually had any of your children here on Sunday morning. Uh, we were actually downstairs here. May I just say, if we did have any of your children, they were a credit to you. Brilliant kids. What fantastic potential. I'll speak about that in a few minutes' time. Excellent children. Very, very well behaved. And I, that is a thrill to see you're smiling. Obviously, they're not quite the same at home sometimes. But when, <laughs> on Sunday morning, they were superb. And we really had a lovely time with them. 
so uh, there you are. Often parents never get honoured for their children, they just get told when they're a bit naughty and a bit noisy. But certainly let me honour you because they're, without exception, they're very, very good on Sunday morning. Let me just give you a few scriptures because, again, it's very hard to find scripture on children because, obviously, when the Bible talks about children so often, it talks about the whole of the family of God. We are all children. And the the amazing thing, having a heavenly father, that puts us in the, the child category, which, to my mind, we never, although we must mature as children, we never really become adult because we always become children of God, as it were. And although, of course, we must mature, we don't stay babyish, uh, we must, we've always got that fun, that excitement about us, haven't we? Uh, as a child has. Well, we should have, let's put it that way. Maybe we don't feel we have, but I feel we should have. I'll just read you very quickly, because there's loads and loads of things to say, and not a lot of time to say it. So let me go through just a few scriptures very quickly with you. Mark 9.36 says, uh, Those who welcome children in the name of Jesus, in my name, Welcome me. As I say, don't bother to look at them up, I'll just go straight through them. Mark ten thirteen, we read about when Jesus blesses the little children. Matthew eighteen one to six, we can read about judgment on those who cause these little ones to lose faith. Colossians three twenty one. Now we come on to, to us as parents. Now maybe some of us here are parents, some of us are going to be parents and whatever. Let's just have a look then. Parents in Colossians, parents do not irate your children or they will become discouraged. Ephesians 6 verse 4, parents do not treat your children in such a way as to make them angry. Instead, bring them up with Christian discipline and instruction. And finally on this, Titus 2 verse 4, train younger women to love their husbands and their children. So it doesn't always mean that it's going to be a natural thing. (laughs) Hopefully it's quite a natural thing you love your husband, anyway, at the beginning. But uh, hopefully that uh, you might have to work at loving your children. As simple as that, because we all have different backgrounds and uh, sometimes we do find it hard to love anybody sometimes, don't we? Let me just read you something that was written by a lady here uh, called Dorothy Nolt. It's quite interesting. I just read this today. Children learn what they, uh, what they live. If a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, he learns to fight. If a child lives with ridicule, he learns to be shy. If a child lives with shame, he learns to feel guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns confidence. If a child lives with praise, he learns to appreciate. If a child lives with fairness, he learns justice. If a child lives with security, he learns to have faith. If a child lives with approval, he learns to like himself. If a child lives with acceptance and friendship, he learns to find love in the world. Interesting points. And I think it's very cleverly written because we can see the negative and we can see the positive and we can also see how we can maybe bring negative into our children's lives. Right, let's get to our point. The point is this, very quickly, I'm going to rush through a lot of points very, very quickly. Uh, I want us to examine them very quickly because, you, actually I have done this, and usually it takes three days to get through this, so I'm going to do it very quickly, all right, and skip a lot of things out, but please forgive me if I do that. Raising of children was the subject I've been given, and understanding your child. Let's have a look first of all. These are some of the things that... Um, I, I spend a lot of time, as I say, with children. At Spring Harvest, for instance, we have 800 children in one little room that's not a lot bigger than this for about six hours a day, which is quite a lot of children, and that's between the ages of 8 to 12, 8 to 11, 8 to 12. 
And so it's quite a lot of children there, and we have them for all these hours, and so we get quite a long time to actually get to know them. They're all from different backgrounds, some from charismatic backgrounds, some from not. But the thing we teach them to do is just open themselves up before God and see what God wants to do or see what what we can do uh, into their lives. Now, a lot of things I'm going to have to say take for granted because obviously I'm believing that you believe a child can be saved. I mean, I've got to go through I don't. I hope you believe that anyway. I'm, I'm believing, I'm hoping that you believe that a child can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not if you believe it, that's good, so I can skip all that. Uh, if you want to ask questions on that later, that is fine. But let's come on then to the problems a child has. And let's have a look at them, shall we? Why do they react? Why do they rebel? One of the reasons is they cannot cope with pressure. It's a, if you look at it, the simile between a child and a parent is so similar. Okay, Because, for instance, they are under deep, heavy pressure. When I was at school, I never once dreamt, I didn't ever go to school and say, I'm sorry I can't work today because I feel depressed. Because, you know, you just get clipped round the ear roll, wouldn't you, and be sent back and say, get on with it. But, you know, nowadays, I wouldn't even know what the word meant when I was at primary school. But, you know, nowadays, I know somebody, there's a primary school not so far from here, where two kids came along and they really were suffering acute depression. And they couldn't work. And this was a primary school. Times have changed. And I believe the pressure is heavier. I certainly believe the spiritual pressure is heavier on kids in schools nowadays. A bit more about that in a minute. Let me just show you the sort of things that I'm getting to, to say. These are from Christian uh, children, from Christian parents. Right? When we just want to move into their lives. These were the sort of things we prayed uh, against in their lives. Problems they had. Major problems. These weren't jokes. These were very serious ones. Listen to this. Is what kids wrote, because what we do is we get them to, to ask God to release them from, from hatred or whatever, and then we just get them to, to really receive the love of God into their lives, receive Father God into their lives or whatever, and then just to write down what God's done. It's great for a child to do that, because they not only believe then, but they see what God has actually done. These are some of the things, as I say, that we've actually seen happen. A little girl wrote this down, Thank you, Lord, but I don't hate my dad anymore. These are from Christian homes, remember. I was prayed for by one of our workers that God has, t- and God has taken away my fear of getting divorced because my mum has been twice. You see, precious. We prayed that my dad would love me. This is all from children. Thank you, Jesus, for freeing me from the hatred that was buried in my heart against my father and my mother. Thank you, Lord, I don't hate my brother anymore and please bring my family back together. I pray that I'm with, uh, I will just have a, a love towards my stepfather, even though I find it difficult, and that the Lord will help me to be with him like I would my real father. And this goes on. Dear God, um, what is I'm not going to be afraid of car crashes and my mum and dad fighting. Little things they pick up. I'm not frightened of dying of leukemia or heart problems now. I was frightened because my dad died of leukemia. God has showed me how to love myself. I felt rejected and unwanted, but I now feel great. God has filled me just a couple more. God has filled me with happiness and made me believe in myself. I used to hate myself because I was so shy, but now I know people love me and I am happy. I know I am a true Christian and I love the Lord Jesus. And so it could go on. But you see what I'm trying to say? That these children suffer. 
And you can't say that they don't, even you can't say, well, wait until they get to teens. These little ones know what suffering is, even at primary school age. And we've got to face up to this. Why do they react and rebel? Let's break, uh, now, these are not the subjects for tonight. These take hours each, but I'm just going to skim through them. First of all, obviously there is pressure at school. Uh, the basic thing being, for a Christian child, I'm talking about Christian children or coming from Christian homes, first of all, what they should accept and what they should reject when they're being taught. Now, again, in schools, I don't know about you, but I would uh, suggest that whatever you have in your diary, please, 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 make the consultation even your priority. All right? It should be above every meeting, I believe, because the consultation evening is very, very important for your child. And that isn't just mum. That's dad as well. Very, very important. For a couple of reasons. One, your child, even at primary school, usually has a little bit of work around the wall, don't they? And so you go and look at it. And uh, they, they, you can go and look through their books. But also you get a chance to talk to the teachers. And uh, that is so vitally important to find where the teachers are at. We are looking through textbooks. I spent a bit of time looking through them. There's one out now called Dark Towers, which you might have seen, which is from a TV thing. Uh, which is uh, occult, no doubt about it. Are you allowing your primary child, your school, your child at primary school, to read occult? Well, I don't think you need to. It's great, isn't it? We're in a democratic land where you actually have a say into what your child studies. My little uh, little girl brought home a book in primary school again that just simply uh, started off something like, "In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and God had a son, and his name was called Zeus." So it went on. Now, I personally am not very happy with my children learning about that sort of rubbish. And I don't know if you are, but I certainly am not. Now, as I say, it's great we live in a democratic land because it means unless we actually say something, we're letting our country down. Look at it from that point of view, if you like. Now, there are ways and means. And as I say, you've got to bear in mind, especially with Halloween just gone past, if you walk around most schools, you wouldn't have got past the cobwebs. But you see what I'm saying? For most teachers, they are not there to teach your child occult. It's just, occult means nothing to them. It's a joke, it's fun. So please, don't go at the teachers, because very few of them understand exactly what putting into your children and my child. But there is a place where you can go up and very gently have a word with them and say, look, I, I don't really appreciate it. I come from a, a Christian home, uh, and we're teaching the things of God, and, and the things actually in this book, they actually are contrary to what we believe. You'll find the majority of teachers would just say, oh, fine, great, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't, never want to upset you. Oh, fine, well, I just so happen to have got another textbook. Do have this one instead. And in fact, if enough of you just have a few gentle words, you can even get those books taken off the shelves. But you see what I'm saying? You've got to see that. To get to see what they do, you've got to be at those consultation evenings and to talk along with those teachers, have a word with them. As I say, they're not there to misguide your child, but some of them just don't understand what they're teaching. As simple as that. But it's a great opportunity to actually go in and talk and for your child as well to see that you care. Very quickly. Secondly, um, they can't cope with the pressure of friendship. You know, we talk about being unequally yoked and of course we know that that doesn't just mean in marriage or uh, love, romantic relationships. It can mean in business. It can mean uh, in, in just normal friendships. You can be unequally yoked. You can be very close to somebody who's not a Christian. And before you know where you are, you can be dragged down if you're not very strong instead of you dragging them up. It happens all the time, unfortunately. But for a child at school, again, you see, they've got to choose friends within the class. And sometimes there isn't a Christian friend there. And they're going to choose one of their friends, uh, uh, one of the people that are their friends. And sometimes they're easily influenced, aren't they, by what they actually do and what they say. 
May I ask you to be very gentle because you'll find a lot of children will come home. A lot of children may start using bad language. Now for us, it's an abomination. We don't like it. We can't stand swearing. And, uh, you know, when you sit at it and you watch it on the television, I know Christians either switch it off or cringe or turn the sound down and carry on watching it, depending. But, you know, we don't particularly like swearing bad language. But can you bear in mind that your child hears it every day, every minute of the day, practically, if not from the teachers, from its friends? And they hear it all the time. They're more used to hearing bad language than you and I are, and they just hear it all the time. Now, it is easy. They might not ever want to swear, but because hearing it all the time, this barrage of words coming into their ears, it's very easy for them, sometimes even by accident, to use them. So may I ask to be very gentle with them and careful because they are getting a lot of these words pushed at them. The more they hear them, the more sometimes they might let one slip out. Now, obviously, we as parents, we don't want them swearing and cursing and whatever, and we are going to do our best to teach them not to use bad language. But I would just say be a bit lenient, understand where they're coming from, and uh, deal with it in that way. But they are going to be influenced by their friends in so many things uh, at school. Certainly stealing and other things. I mean, uh, the amount of children that actually steal uh, because, again, it's, it's done at school and everybody does it and whatever. But we've just got to keep an eye on it because they are influenced, they're under pressure from their friends around them. Thirdly, very quickly, social activities. What they can and they can't do. This gets worse, doesn't it, as they're growing a bit older. And they're trying to work out now, what am I allowed to do as a Christian child? What is right? What is wrong? And, you know, it's very hard for us sometimes as parents, isn't it, to set down a guideline because the things maybe when we were younger, uh, we thoroughly enjoyed doing. We would now say, well, no, you mustn't do it now. Uh, but we had our chance at doing it. You know what I mean? Oh, no, no, you mustn't do that. Mind you, I used to enjoy it when I was a kid. And so we go through it. And, and because we have sometimes lay now stricter uh, rules then we would actually keep ourselves. Let's be careful of that, shall we? But we've got to lay some foundations and some rules for our child, some guidelines. Things, social activities that are not going to do them any good, and uh, we need to train them in these things, obviously. Fourthly, at church, now it's strange to say, uh, can they cope with the pressure of the church? Well, I'm going to just ask you one question. I mean, as I say, this is, this is my main subject, but I'm, I'm refraining from speaking on it today. At church, is it the highlight or the low light of their week? Well, all you've got to do is ask them when they get home on a Sunday morning. I will say no more. I'm praying like mad, it's a highlight, because that's what it should be. Otherwise, whether you call it Sunday school or whatever you call it, if it's a low light of the week, I guarantee they're going to go away from God when they get to 11, 12, 13, 14. It's got to be a highlight for them. It's got to be better than any other day of the week, something they really look forward to. That's my Hobby horse, but I'll leave it there, okay? Let's come back to the subject of tonight, which is in the Christian home. And of course, the child can feel under pressure, pressure in, our, in our homes themselves. What is our child to us? Let's just think for a moment. What is our child to us? And for you that haven't had them yet, then you can start thinking, what could your child be to you, all right? First of all, is your child somebody who just slows down your Christian growth rate? I find people who say yes, I, I do, I find yes, the child gets in the way. Just when I want to worship God, my child comes and, and disturbs me. Just as I want to get down and study scripture and have a good time with the Lord, Johnny comes in and disturbs my concentration and whatever. He slows down, she slows down my Christian growth rate. And so the child gets blamed for that. Is your child, or, or uh, what is your child to you? Does your child, should I say, stunt your ministry? 
Mm. In other words, you know, God has given you something to do, but you can't fulfill it because you've got children. And so you just have to suffer and uh, wait till they grow up. And so you do it. And ladies especially, you know, well, I mean, I've got a ministry given by God. I can't fulfill it because I've got to look after these. Oh, well, I suppose I'll just have to wait and uh, wait till they've actually moved out or whatever. Stunts your ministry. Uh, Is your child, or should I say, is your child just a, a responsibility you've got until they're old enough? to leave home. Now, if it's any of those things, believe me, your child has picked it up long before now. All right? If any of those are true, and I don't, I don't mean part-time, because I mean now and again, I guess we all might feel one or two of these things, but I mean, if that is your general way of thinking, your child has certainly picked that up. They are very, very observant. They know exactly how you feel about them. Probably sometimes more than you know how you feel about them, they can pick up all sorts of little vibrations that seem to come from mum and dad. Or is your child, on the positive side, a gift from God and your primary responsibility second only to God himself? I'll say that once more. I like that one. A gift from God and your primary responsibility second only to God himself. If you would have a a top ten, right, at the top, obviously we'd hope we'd put God and his kingdom first there. But what would be second on the list? I got a feeling your family should be. I must be honest with you, and that is uh, what I would teach. I believe your family is your next responsibility. Because quite frankly, if you can't look after your family, you're never going to look after the church. You're not going to be much use to anybody else at all. So that's how important your family is to you. And I think the other thing we've got to remember is that our family is a gift from God, which I find very, very exciting been given to us by God. It's interesting, we never own our children. They're on loan from God. How much of a responsibility that is when you think about it. In other words, God's watching us. This child, I'll give you on loan. Look after it. It's my child, not your child, says God. But you look after that child as if it was yours. It's on loan to you. You take care of it and you are responsible for that little one that I put in your care. When you put it that way, of course, it uh, puts quite a different emphasis on than just being some little pain running around the building. And uh, obviously I hope we can see the sense of that. Let's come on to another point. What sort of relationship have you got with your child? And again, I find as I travel around homes, I find all sorts of different relationships. Are they your servants? I, I do find this, actually. I, I go into some homes and, and the children are treated like little slaves, you know. Washing up. Come on, get do it. We want to sit and talk in the front room. You go and do it. Go and make the beds. Go and do this. Go and do that. Go and do this. Go and do that. Not even with a please or a thank you. I mean, we wouldn't treat anybody like that, but we think we can get away with our children, you know, because they're under us. It's probably the only person in the world that is under us. And so we think, well, we'll make sure they stay under us. And so we come down like this and we treat them as slaves and servants. Are they like your furniture? You don't really notice them. You know, the truth is, I mean, you just, they're there, aren't they? Uh, They make a noise occasionally, but then so did your car. You know what I mean? They're sort of around, they sort of, uh, you know, they they, they fill up the place a bit, they they, they take up a room, but again, so does your bed. I mean, it's there, it's just taking up this, but they're just part of the furniture, and like you might pat the dog or the wife when you go out, you pat the child, and... um, there we are. So are they your servants? Are they just like furniture, you don't notice them? Or are they, which I believe you should be, are they your very best friends? Because I believe the parent, you know, your child should be your best friend. Really should. There should be that friendship, that relationship, where your child wants to be with you. 
He loves being with you. She loves being with you because you're the best friend. And it's not this heavy sort of authority thing, you know, where you're actually, you're bossing them around, you're telling them to do this, and, and they're going to love you because you make them love you. But again, just like with Heavenly Father, you know, they love you because you love them. There's that relationship that's there. And I believe that that's so important when the child is your best friend. I, I must go, let me get a bit personal for a moment because, I mean, I have three children. The oldest one's 14, the next one's 12, a little girl of eight. And I, the thing that I find the hardest now after touring for all these years is actually going away from home because I do love being with my children. It's the highlight of my week. I'd rather be with them and my wife than anybody else. That's the truth of it. Uh, I would. They're my, they are my priority. If I go out and do things, I always want them to be there. It's great fun. I know there'll come a time when they won't be there. They're going to come a time when they're going to grow up and leave Dad. I'll be heartbroken about that. But it's going to have to come. But the point is, at the moment, I want to be there. If I go out somewhere, if I socialise, if I do this, come on, let's go and do it together. Let's go and have some fun. And I think, uh, again, they're my friends. But I also know they look upon me as their friend. I know that. They want to be with me. Uh, when, when I go, wherever I go, they want to be with me. If I, even if I tour around, and they find it very embarrassing sometimes, but they tour around, they would want to be there to support me. And in fact, the exciting thing is now, I obviously have enormous teams like Spring Harvest. We've got a team of about 60 or 70 workers. I now have two of my children actually working on my team, which is so exciting. Uh, well, there we are. So there we are. To have a friendship with your children is vital. Now, whose responsibility, let me come on to just another point, whose responsibility is it to train up your child? Well, we just read it, didn't we, from Scripture earlier. Obviously, it's our responsibility to train up our child. Now, I, I, there's always a bit of debate goes on here because some say, oh, no, no, it's the Sunday school teachers, it's the children's workers, it's the youth workers, uh, and whatever. Well, I'll tell you, scripturally, you, you won't have a leg to stand on because scripturally, it is us as parents. There's no way out of it. The child is our responsibility to train up in the things of God. Now, the great thing about children's workers, Sunday school workers, they're all like icing on the cake. They're a bit of a bonus. You know what I mean? What they teach is all extra to what you're already putting into your child in the home. Right, there we are. Let's, let's just debate. Now, this is the one area that I just want to I mentioned right at the beginning, but I just want to home in on, just on one or two things. I don't want you to feel, how can I put it, in any way condemned, because we all make mistakes with children. None of us have got it perfect. And there's always, if only I had, every parent says that at one stage, right? If only I had, as your child gets older, if only, if only, if only. And I'm just putting this to you now, as I say, maybe a bit of guilt comes in, let's pray as the Spirit of God brings it, so we can do something about it. But God doesn't want us to feel condemned and whatever, because that's going to be no help to us, our children, or to him. But if a bit of guilt does creep in, that's fine, because then we may be able to get that dealt with, uh, get it dealt with. Is your child suffering? Now, all I want you to do is to examine the children. For you that uh, work with children or whatever, I want you just to think maybe of a child. I want you to think of your own children. Now, for so long, you've looked down at a child. Not, not, I don't mean looking down at one, but you've looked at the child. But now, I want you to change roles, and I want you somehow to just be that child. Be your child just for a few moments. And let's see how they're feeling, shall we? Let's see how they're coping with life. Let's see how they're coping with us. All right, because we've got to cope with them, but let's see how they're actually coping with us. Firstly, are, is your child suffering in any way from being neglected or rejected? Again, this is the most common fault. I've read you out prayers here that were written by the children, but again, as I travel around, I, I pray for more children uh, who are 
feeling rejected and neglected than any other problem. That is the worst one. Now, why it comes in, it's quite, quite simple, really. Let's just take the home life, for instance, now. Mum and Dad are very busy people in the Christian home. They are very busy. Uh, one time, maybe, Mum was more in the home and Dad went to work, but now everybody seems to be going to work. And so the, the, the child is obviously thrown, away, thrown around a bit and finds it hard to sort of find where they should be. Dad himself, he finds life difficult because he's got a busy job. He leaves thing in the morning, and so he just has time maybe to eat his cornflakes and read the paper before he dashes off and say goodbye to his kids around the table. And then he would go, and then he's away all day, and then he would come back, and then he'd sit down, and then he'd have his tea, and he's worn out, so he wants to cheer himself up, so he watches the news. And what happens then? And what happens then, of course, uh, the children come back, they're in, they're talking, but really, Dad is tired. There's no doubt about it, he's worked hard. He doesn't have time for small talk with his kids. He doesn't have time to help them with their homework, even if he could do it. <laughs> he's there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's there with his children, and he just really hasn't got time for them. And he sits there, and he's just trying to unwind a little bit from the day. And then, of course, he realises there's a meeting on in the evening, so he's got to get to that. And so off he goes to the meeting in the evening. Now, I am of the opinion there are miles too many meetings anyway. But the thing is, certainly he is called out things. When he hasn't got a meeting, he has jobs to do. Saturday, you say, oh, it's great, he's got Saturday. He can spend his time with his children. But again, practically speaking, he's got a list of jobs as long as you're armed to do. Around the house, in the garden, with his car, with this, with that, whatever. And unless his child is a budding mechanic or likes mowing the lawn, the child will see very little of him. And uh, so the child goes off and plays with their friends, and Dad goes off and does his job. And then what happens, of course, we have Sunday, Sunday, the family day, which is far from it in most places. It's our busiest day, most of us, because, of course, we've got the meetings, and again, we're, we're usually separated. We come and we meet together on a Sunday morning, and the child goes one way, we go another way, so again, we're separated from them. And uh, uh, we go back at lunchtime, we might have lunch together, but in the afternoon there's still things to do. And usually you find, then of course, the worst is when people actually then, the problem people arrive. Do you know what I mean? Do you get them in this church? You probably don't get them around here. But in most places you, get, you have the problem people. Now they impose on your homes. Now I'm very much one who believes in ministering to other people, but uh, I do also believe that we have to be a little bit sensitive on how we do it. For instance, let me explain. Your child... Uh, he finds a lot of security. In fact, the only place, really, he's going to find security is his home, her home. There's something about that. It's where mum and dad are. They've got their own little room. They've got their own little front room, living room, where they sit and they watch telly together as a family sometimes or whatever. They have their meal table where they sit around. And for a child, growing up, this is a lot of security for them. Because in school, they haven't got it. In the church, no one can get it. But here in their home, there's quite security. But, wait for it, they're just sitting down Sunday afternoon in a little bit of security. Bzzz, doorbell goes. And Mrs. Bloggs comes with all her problems. And as she walks, oh, I, I, you couldn't just pray for me. I mean, it was a great meeting this morning, but God spoke to me. I really need ministry. Can you pray for me? Oh, yes, yes, of course, that must be a priority. So then we take her in the front. Oh, uh, John, could you just nip up to your bedroom for a few minutes? Could you go up there? Could you do this? And so the kids go up. Now, you think that doesn't affect the children. I'll tell you, it does. There's an indelible impression on their lives. The one bit of security they've got, the one room where they thought they were going to be with their family, now becomes a ministry room. And so they are pushed off elsewhere. Just as they thought they were beginning to enjoy life with their mum and dad, they go 
elsewhere. Now, I'll give you just a few things because obviously ministry is important. Let me give you just a couple of things. One, I do believe, and I'm going to just explain very briefly in a few minutes' time, that children are better at ministry than you and I are. Right? You better believe it, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Okay? They are superb at praying for other people. My first suggestion is, if Mrs. Bloggs is that badly off, you say, yes, of course, we're praying for Mrs. Bloggs. Come on, Johnny, you pray for her. All right? No, I'm saying, yeah, go on. You pray. We're going to pray as a family for you. You come around here, this is our family fight, we'll pray for you. If she has some deep problem, that is not the time to be talking about it. Anyway, if she just wants a bit of prayer ministry, no problem at all. Yeah, of course, we'll pray. Come on, John. Come on, Susie. Let's pray for Mrs. Bloggs, and let's, let's really bless her before God or whatever. Now, that might not be practical. There might be something there that's really deep-rooted. Well, it's great. You go around her house, all right? At least you've got your family staying secure in their house. But you go around her house, and you spend time around there. Unfortunately, you've got a building and probably offices to minister and whatever. But like I say, please, remember your children. They have security in their home, and that is their home. All right, as much as it's, it's their home. I'm not saying they should run the home. All I'm saying is let them feel secure in their home. Don't always be pushing them off around the building because they do feel it. Uh, so they suffer this neglect and rejection. And it shows later on. I mean, you could do us all a lot of favours if you really care for your child. You, you spend time with them. You don't neglect them. You don't put them at the back of the list. You do spend time with them because then later on when they grow up, we wouldn't all have to keep praying for them for rejection and, and the suffering they go through. So it does happen, especially in Christian homes. I do believe that probably the, the Christians are worse than the world in many things. The one thing the church has done, it's taught us to split up families, and I feel very strongly about that. It's taught us how to segregate the age groups, when a lot of people would rather stick together. It's taught the unsaved that the place, the parent is not got a place for their child on a Sunday, the child has got to be somewhere different. The, the unsaved doesn't think like that. They would rather be with their thing if they go along to what they call entertainment anyway. But anyway, that's just by the way. Let's just bear that in mind there, shall we? The child will suffer from neglect and rejection uh, if you and I, so-called, going about doing our thing and leaving them out. Let them be part of what you do. Share with them what you do. If God's given you something specific, let them share in that. You know? Anyway, you know what I'm saying. Secondly on this one, is your child suffering from being spoiled or victimized. We go one way with, with discipline. We can't seem to get it right, can we? So often we go one way with So often we, we, we take out on our, of our children how we feel. The frustration we feel goes out of our children. You know, if we feel angry, somebody's upset us in the church, wham, we come in and we go at our children. Really? Uh, you know, the poor kids. Dad, I haven't done anything wrong. You have. You've done this, that, the other. And it becomes a great big mountain because we have problems and the child hasn't. And there are other times when we never discipline the child. The other extreme to that is no discipline. The Bible does say spare the rod and spoil the child. I really believe in discipline. When we, when we work with 800 children, we've got to have very strict discipline. Obviously, I do believe in that. And there is a time when you whack your kid. You know, there is a time because you love that child, just as the Bible teaches. Yes, there's got to be. I, I have to say this, but usually leaders' kids are the worst. I'll tell you why, because nobody knows how to deal with leaders' kids. They either spoil them, or again, they reject them, they neglect them. They either give them too much, or they put them to the back of the class, because they feel, oh, you get too much at home anyway, so we'll give everybody else more. They can't just treat them as normal people, normal children. And I've been in so many houses, nearly got hacked to death as I walked in the door. You know, I remember going in one place, and these uh, one minister's house, and these kids going, ooh, ooh, he's up the stove. 
gives this new meaning of laying on of hands. You know what I mean? You just feel like doing something different. But you sort of stand there. Oh, thank you. And you know, poor dad, the vicar, sort of stand there, smiling away. Oh, he's got through his bit of fun. Oh, really? You know, and uh, totally embarrassed. But he never tell him off. He wouldn't say anything. I thought, Lord, what's going on here? Uh, but again, just getting that that balance between you know spoiling the child or victimising them and being very brutal and very heavy uh, and, and certainly not loving as we discipline. You see, there is that time, and we know it, when if you really love your child, you're, you're going to have to discipline them if you really love them. But it's going to hurt you to do it. You don't do it out of anger. You never hear out of anger. Never hear out of temper. Because, of course, a child registers this immediately. But if you can keep a cool head and say, look, sorry, son, you've gone too far this time, and take, take discipline like that, They'll see the love, but they'll see love means discipline as well. So it must be discipline. Uh, uh, Is your child suffering? By are they being encouraged or manipulated? Again, another thing, the pressure goes through a child. It's one thing to encourage them into something. It's another thing to force them into something. And there are certain things when they're younger, of course, we need to. I, I mean, I, I believe when a child's young, obviously, we, we tell them we go to the church and we take them along there and we really hope that uh, the church is going to be somewhere they're going to enjoy. But, you know, we, there obviously has to be a time when we tell them to do things. But there's other times when they get older, when we have their ambitions for them. We never made it. We never got to university, but they're going to go. You know? And somehow we throw all our spirituality out the window. Instead of saying, well, God, let's pray. Let's pray for little Johnny. What have you got for his life? Now listen, it doesn't matter what you've got for his life, God, because he's going to university first, then you can do what you want. See what I'm saying? It's totally unscriptural. Things we never dream of saying, but we do it. We push them. You know, we say, yes, you've got to go. There's more people backslide at university than anywhere else. You know that. We worked in universities. Because God never told them to go there. Parents did. Christian parents pushed them like mad to go there. But then they just fell away from God. And I would say, certainly, we, we need to encourage our children in education. We need
them, not force them into things that uh, just to make the grey bit we didn't. But let's encourage them. And let's get rid of this pride thing as well, shall we? I still find the Christian pride, good old middle class Christians, you know, they, their child's got to be this, or got to be a doctor, or got to be this. I praise God that children are going to be shopkeepers and factory workers and whatever. And, you know, they're going to be happy doing that as well. I ask my child and my eldest what he wants to be, and all he wants to do is work in a computer shop. You know, at 14, and just with those games, that's what it is. It's terrible, isn't it? But you know what I mean? <laughs> Fine, I have to pray with them about that. But anyway, you know what I mean. So, do they follow... Let me just, just come one more on this. Is your child suffering? Do they follow your preaching or your example? Which is not an important point. Are they following what you're preaching at them? Or the way you're living? They're two different things so often. Because what happens is, again, uh, you know, let, let's just take the normal family. I, I, I don't know quite what the normal family is nowadays, but let's just try and take one which has the, maybe the enforced um, sitting around uh, what we call the, the family prayers together. Some people say family prayers. And again, please don't think I'm knocking it. That, that can be very good and helpful as long as it's interesting. Uh, with your child to sit around together and talk and pray we I'll, I'll be honest as a family we do not do this regularly there are times on holiday I do it but I just find with all the rushing about it just isn't the best thing I would take my children out and spend quite a lot of time talking about the Lord Jesus with them but then of course you've got them on am a bit different because they come with me on a lot of things I'm already doing that so I'm probably not the normal I'm not normal at all kind of thing but you know what I mean so there we are but generally speaking, you do need a time when you need to uh, be, be with your children and train them up in the things of God. You need to teach them. Uh, we're doing this one-year uh, Bible thing, you know, read through the Bible in a year with our children. They've managed to keep up. We haven't, but they have, which is very good. Uh, but the other thing is, well, be careful that we don't just preach at them and, and say, look, you must do this, you must do this, you must do this, you must do this. Our example is going to mean more than anything else. The way we live, the way we are, the way we love, the way we share. Again, please, love hugging your children. I don't mean to say when they're 16, you know what I mean? But I mean when they're younger. Don't be frightened of contact with your children. Hug them. They love the Well, they should do. The embrace, to be with them, to care for them, show they love them. Again, that means more to hug them than to say, I love you, son. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm saying? I love you, son. But if you just go and put your arm around and give them a bit of a hug, God, it's great. Dad loves me. There's just something about it. We can say something, but to actually do it means a lot more. And they do follow our example in so many things. Let's just preach at them. Again, as I was just saying, you know, you sit around, you can be at your family prayers, you sit around, you do it. But again, it can just be religion in the end of the day because you do it day in, day out. It loses life. And what happens is, you know, just look at their watches and how long they're reading this morning. And you're thoroughly enjoying it, but your child's, oh, come on, Dad, let's do something different. And it might not always be the best way of doing things. Again, may I suggest, a walk in the countryside uh, is a brilliant time, or by the seaside or whatever, and talk to your children quite naturally, rather than making a service out of it. I don't think God ever wants us to make little services out of our times with our children as such. I think it's being normal, natural family together, sharing, sitting around the fire, just talking or whatever, but being, being natural together. But we will be an example. So, which brings me on to the last point, and that's this. Do you recognise your child's potential? Now, I've told you all the things we might have done wrong and told you all the things a child could do wrong, he's going to get confused, but that potential is enormous. And I've got to say that because I was here on Sunday. Isn't it great that I was actually here on Sunday so I can talk firsthand? I saw the children here, and I just saw that fantastic potential in them if we'd only allow it to be released and God to actually move out 
and use them. In ministry, as I travel around the country, you can tell, you know, a child's gifting in ministry long before they're teenagers. Long before they're teenagers. Little Samuel, he was a prophet long before he got older. He was a prophet, you know, growing up and whatever. There's David, and he had something, anointing, special anointing, right from an early age. Now, if you look at children... Now, they can change, like, like adults' ministries change. But, you know, you can see a specific gifting in ministry. Um, we would encourage children to take over, to do pastoral work. Brilliant. They've got, they got a loving heart. It's only what they've learned from adults that's pushed them the other way. But basically, deep down, they love. There is a, a gentleness there. And again, in children's groups, to encourage them to, to, to pastorally care for other children to look after them. What about preaching? When was the last time you had a child preacher? Have you ever heard a child... I've probably never heard a child preach something yet. I'll tell you, it's quite good. It's good. If you train them well... <laughs> you know, it's awful if you haven't. But if you train them well, it's good. A child can preach. And again, bear in mind, he is not... or she isn't... Oh, when I say she, I'll say he. He is not an adult. All right? And so, of course, you've got to bear in mind, it's going to come from a child's heart. We can never... We don't, I don't want them to be adults... But they're spiritual beings. And they're going to speak out from experience, speak out from what they know of God. And it's very, very exciting to actually see them do this. In their gifting. And I mean, I, I, it blows my mind. They're way beyond I am in gifting. Way beyond it. Now, I think for a word of knowledge for healing, for instance, I mean, I'm pretty big, really. I would just get up and say, Lord, okay, you want to heal somebody, Lord? Uh, just show me maybe... Um, what's wrong with somebody? Right, somebody here has someone something wrong with their left leg, and hopefully there is. And the person says it's me. I'm like, great, okay, I'll just come and pray for you. Now the child goes way beyond. That's kid stuff. No, that's adult stuff. Okay, let me explain. The child, the children we work with that are training up. Now let me just tell you where they're going. Okay, that, they've done all that. That was that was kit for them. They've moved on from there. I'll give you two illustrations. One in a place in, in Bristol. Um, we got up there, and this little girl came up to me, and she said, uh, on the pl- there was a hundred children at the front, she, came, she whispered, I believe God wants to heal somebody uh, who's got something wrong with their back. I said, right, okay, something wrong with their back, fine. Now, in a hundred people, I mean, the law of averages is going to be someone with something wrong with their back, isn't it? Right, hands up, who's got something wrong with their back? Remember, children always respond. Who's got, never have an appeal with children, they get saved every week. Has all those that actually, uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, bad back. Who's got bad back? Not one responded. Okay, never mind. Uh, fine. Oh, uh, this is a spiritual little girl. There's something about her. I sort of look around. Well, tell you what, tell her something else. Ask God where this person actually felt bad back to start with. They always do it with one eye open. You see, I don't know why they would do that. Actually, it was uh, in a gym lesson at school. Now, somebody out here got bad back, actually injured it in the gymnast at school. Nobody responded. Well, well. Now, you've got to cover the child, okay? Because, obviously, it might be the person that hasn't responded, or it might be the child's got it wrong. It could be one of two things. I like to think that the person hasn't responded, because we never want to stop people using gifts, do we? We'd rather they came back and had another go at it, you know what I mean? So we say, right, never mind, never mind, don't panic, you know, that's great. Just, just, just leave it there for now and, and see what God does. Maybe the person will come up to you or whatever. Little girl got off, very disappointed. Now the day went through, and in the evening we had the evening meeting, and we just started the meeting. And she came and said, "I'm going to say it again." I said, "What? Not again? 
I've done it twice, and nobody listens to me. Embarrassing. So I really, oh, all right then. All right, once more. So she came up there, and suddenly God spoke to me and said, Listen, do you remember Samuel heard my voice? And I suddenly thought, well, oh, better be a bit careful here. Right, okay. Uh, somebody who's got a bad back heard it in the gym less than anybody. Nobody responded again. I said, okay, tell you what, look, <laughs> get off this stage and go and find them. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, she walked off the stage, walked down the chair, uh, off, off the stage. The minute she got off the stage, three people came up to her and said, uh, it's me. And you know, she said, no, it's not. God, we'd have jumped at that, wouldn't we? Three people. And she said, no, it's not. And you know something? Seriously, <laughs> she went right round, she walked right to the back of the hall and she found this little boy and said, it's you. And he says, yeah. And she pulled him back and he came to the front and obviously, when he was prayed for, he was instantly healed. Now that's not the end of the story because what happened was, I saw the leaders a few months later the end of the story was this. You know and I know that pressure and, and in homes and whatever brings, a lot, brings about disease, illness and symptoms. Now what happened was, through the, the parents, their marriage was on the rocks. It was terrible. The pressure had brought on the back trouble in the land. The minute it was healed, and what the parents saw God do with this word of knowledge brought the family back together again. And now it's a very secure home and family. Amazing, isn't it? One more. A little boy, again, he got out another meeting at a different place. And I said to him, I just simply said, right, uh, what's God saying? And he said, well, there's somebody here who's suffering from asthma. Again, that's an easy one, because always somebody from asthma. Okay, somebody with asthma, right, okay. If you've got asthma, put your hands up. Eleven people put hands up. And I said, right, now let's just check it's from God, shall we? There's only, you know, you can do this. If you see the kid's spirit, you feel the spirit of God. Then, well, let's just check it's from God, shall we? You wouldn't do this with an adult, but you do it with a child. Okay? Right, first of all, let's just ask God. Now, are we talking about a boy or a girl? Praise bit. It's a boy. Good. Because you did say a person. You didn't say a lot of people are going to get healed. You said a person. Okay, person. Right, girl, sit down a second. All sit down. So there's about half left. About five left. Okay, now what age is this boy? He's ten. Well, a few more sat down, and so we're getting down to it. And then in the end, I just I said, oh, right, this is it. Where does he come from? Remember, they come from all around the country to this place. Where does he come from? And, you know, this kid was able to get up and say the town. And you know, the person there, if I'd asked him for the phone number, he'd have given it to me. I'm sure I'm convinced of that. But he got right down to the person, the one there, instantly healed. Now, I've told you two stories. We have seen things time and time again. Spring harvest this year, a little girl running along outside, fell over on the concrete, split her leg open. Uh, we have nurses there. The nurse came in, but before we ever take them to first aid, we pray for them. Went up to pray for this little girl and saw she needed stitches. There was no doubt about it. Handkerchief, handkerchief on her knee, pouring with blood. And she's sitting there weeping, crying, can't breathe, whatever. And you know, the nurse, and, and they said, well, we're going to pray with you first. And we just prayed over her, walked away for a minute, came back and said, right, let's just have a look. And you know, took off this blood-stained handkerchief and underneath there was not a scratch, not a scar. God has squeezed the skin back together again. Oh, yeah, but and a little girl just sort of jumps up and says, Oh, thank you, Lord, I'll go back and play my game now, and nips off and plays again. Now, that's the way they are, because they believe God does things. They take off. You and I have theological problems with so many things. The more we learn, the more we seem to lose, don't we? The more we seem to understand, the less we seem to understand so often. 
Is it of God? Is it not of God? Is it healing the atonement? Is it this? Is it that? Head spinning round. Is it the right time to pray? Is it not the right time to pray? Is it demonic problems? Or how should I be praying? Uh, well, in the name of Jesus, I just pray you're going to be healed, says a child. And they believe that Jesus heals. And Jesus does. Now, I know it's not a biblical way, but certainly if I'm feeling ill, I tend to go to the children before the elders. <laughs> I know it's not biblical. I know it's not. But I tend to do it. Because their faith is simple. And their faith is profound. Imagine that in your home. That's what you've got. You've got a little bundle there. Who's going to be a child? Don't be being a doctor. Say a little child. A little child. I mean, I have seen them prophesy, and I—it's—it's it's fatal. I—I I knelt down once and said, "This child, okay, you prophesy over me." Now, most—the good thing about it with adults, they always soften it a bit. You know what I mean? They always make it so. It's got a bit of something nice in it somewhere. They, they tend to round it off at the end, don't they? You know what I mean? So, uh, but the Lord is still happy with you or something nice. Yeah? The child doesn't do that. The child's very blunt and abrupt and would just come in and simply say what they thought God was saying. I don't, oh, I'll tell you, when this kid prayed for me, I nearly died. Because absolutely accurate. Right there. A child, again, at Spring Harvest, this, this non-charismatic conference, or not outwardly charismatic, a spring harvest, this child goes and just, one of the leaders just was down here and just simply prayed over this leader and saw this picture of a child and saw and just said, I see a child. You're sad over a child. How was she to know that this person, the leader, had been caught up with an abortion? Do you see what I'm saying? It's absolutely devastating. I don't know if you could want to take the risk on it, to be honest, with children. But I'm telling you the potential. Now, let me finish by saying this because I know you're going to have questions. These children were leaving them something. Now, uh, they, they, they're not the future, they're the present. You've always got to bear that in mind. They're not tomorrow's church, they're today's church. In, once they come to know the Lord Jesus, they're the same as you and me. You see what I'm saying? They are today's church in the Lord Jesus' eyes. They're the present. Now they're going to inherit what we leave them. What are we going to leave them? The thing that God's given me for next year is training up the troops. We should be training up the... It's no point in us all just want to be Billy Grahams, not training up anybody to follow in our footsteps. I, you know, we've got to have people that are there, that we've trained up, because the next generation is going to be stronger than we are. They're going to be better than we are. They've been more trained. When I tell you about these, I've told you just a few examples. I've got pages and pages, hundreds and hundreds of miracles. I don't, as I say, at, at a meeting nowadays, we get the children to pray for each other. We don't even trust the leaders anymore. You get on and pray for them. Pray for each other, because that brings them on in the things of God. They learn to pray. We taught them how to pray. And so they move out into these things. They're a very special generation, this generation. You better believe it. They're different when you arrive with kids. They're different. They've got more of God now somehow. They're open to more things of God. They're seeing more of God in their lives. They're being trained in a very positive way. No more is the plasticine models. Now they're out there seeing the miracles. And that's where they should be. No more are they hiding their little lights under bushels. Hiding under a bushel, no. No! They're outside, they're in the schools, and they're praying for their friends to be healed in the school playground. This thing can actually happen there because the fear is gone. And they know they're facing opposition all the time, but they're stronger. Now, I'll tell you why as I close, why this is actually happening, for two reasons. Our children in this generation are quite unique. One, and I really believe this, that they are going to see a mighty move of God's Spirit in this country that we have not yet seen. I am convinced of that. Because they're being trained up just especially for this, I see the quality there that has not been there for generations. There's a quality with these children that is going beyond myself and beyond others. They're being trained up for something very special that God's going to do in this land. But also, I must say this, they're also being trained up to face persecution. 
They're going to know persecution, these kids. But they're going to be strong enough in God to face it. They really are. So let me finish by encouraging you. Train those children up well. They're your major responsibility before God. Train up your children. Uh, spend time teaching them the word of God. Teach them the principles. Not just uh, in verbals, but in your lifestyle. Let them see your worship. Teach them how to worship in tongues. Teach them how to use the gifts of the Spirit. Show them what the fruit of the Spirit is in your daily living, in your family life. Let it be real. Show them what freedom is, freedom in the Holy Spirit, the fun that Christians enjoy. Let them see that Christians are the happiest people this world's ever known. Even we might have more problems than those who do. But you know, we are the happiest people because we've got the Lord Jesus who brings more than happiness, of course. But happiness is one of those things. And spend time with them. Let them be loved and whatever. As I say, your child is going to be a credit to you. As you go on, as you move on or off or wherever you're going to go, your little ones are going to be coming up here and the church is going to be twice as strong. The only one thing that frightens me is at the end of the day, if we don't give our children now what they need, what they can soak in, what they take, I'll tell you what will happen, and I prophesy this to you, within 15 years' time, they'll leave us, they'll go out, and believe it or not, they'll start a new movement. Tragic. You know, because this one's got so much, hasn't it? The way of the move of the God's Spirit in our land, we think so good. But if we leave our children out of it, they will, will, won't be good enough for them. And they're going to about start their own denominations, start their own house groups, start their own thing, which is going to be divorced from what we're doing. Because we've failed to teach them to move on from where we're at. They're going to move on. They're going to go beyond what we know. But are we going to allow them and train them in how to do it? What an exciting responsibility. Praise God for parents. It's great, isn't it? We enjoy it, don't we? Well, it's not always easy, but we do enjoy it. Let's pray together. Lord, we just now would acknowledge that we just worship you and thank you for all the children around us, whether we've got children, whether we look after children, whether we have children in our meetings, in our fellowship. We praise you for each one of those little lovely ones, Lord. We know you care for them. We know you've got time for them. And Lord, we just want to say that we care for them as well. Lord, we've not got our act together. We've not got it right all the time. There's a lot of areas we need to learn. We're all learners in this, Lord. But Lord, I just pray, teach us how we can train our children up well. Lord, if we've made mistakes up to now, it's not too late. There's still ways that we can change things and help them and whatever. Lord, show us in our own individual homes how we can go about doing this. Because our heart's desire, Lord, is that our children not only are as spiritual as us, but, Lord, are far beyond us. The move into things that we have never even had the nerve to go out into. Lord, we want to train our children up well. Lord, we want to be able to pass that baton on to them and just let them run for it. Let them run and finish that race. It might even be they're doing that. But, Lord, pass that baton on and just give them something to run for. Help us never to slow our children down. Lord, help us never to think of them as inferior in any shape or form. They're very special to you and they're very special to us. Help us to be an encouragement to them, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right, are there any questions? Is that in order now? Questions? Shall I take this off now?